This is Notoriously Episcopalian. My name is Kelly Hudlow. This is a podcast of sermons and musings all about the Christian faith and especially about being an Episcopalian. This is a sermon for the 19th Sunday after Pentecost, October 11th, 2020 for Trinity Commons. The principal text of the sermon is Exodus chapter 32 verses 1 through 14, the story of the people of Israel and the golden calf. There are a handful of reality shows that I will confess to watching. And one of those is the Great British Baking Show. It's different than American reality shows. Somehow it seems a bit more civil. Perhaps it's the accents. Um, But it's always seemed to me to be a lot calmer, though it is clearly a competition. Occasionally there may be mishaps that lend to the drama, but then they are most often met by the cooperation and assistance amongst the competitors to sort the problem out. But in nearly every episode, including the most recent episode that came out on Friday, because Netflix is now doling this out one episode per week at a time, there comes a point of peak drama where all of the contestants are waiting for something to bake in the oven. The item goes into the oven. This particular item was um, bagels. Um, But it goes into the oven. There's nothing left that they can do to affect what's going to happen. All they can do is wait and watch. And having seen some eight seasons worth of competitors, there seems to be different styles of waiting. You'll have the competitor that calmly sort of rests on a stool and just waits for the timer to go off. You have others that crouch down and peer into the oven again and again. Some, the riskier ones, will open the oven door to kind of poke at things, which is never a good idea. You lose temperature and moisture. Some walk away and clean their station. But there's always someone that just chooses to just sit right in front of the oven and watch what's happening. The show editors always make a point to cycle through all of these different images to make a montage, and they don't even have to drop dramatic music behind it or any sort of narration. We, the viewer, can feel the anxiety that the bakers have while they are waiting waiting for someone or something has anxiety built into it. Back before COVID-19, I traveled a bit for work. And when I had to fly somewhere, I did the best I could to find direct flights or at least ones with the fewest possible layovers because I hated waiting in airports. If I knew I was gonna have to wait, I started to make sure that I was prepared for it. My iPad would be charged, my phone would be charged, or I'd at least station myself near an outlet in the airport waiting area. I'd bring along a book, all of these things to distract me from the uncertainty and anxiety of waiting. When things go roughly according to schedule, the distractions work, it's not too bad. But when things go wonky, when a plane is suddenly delayed mid-flight or some repair has to be made and now there's no longer a known end time to the waiting, 
anxiety quickly takes over. The people of Israel in our reading today have been waiting for 40 days for Moses to come back down off the mountain. He went up there with his assistant Joshua. He left Aaron in charge with the people. He has gone to meet God so that he can receive the written law on tablets written by God's own hand. And while he is up there, God decides this is the time to give very detailed instructions for the building of the tabernacle, the establishment of the priesthood, and what everybody should wear and what all the decorations should be, which is why it takes 40 days that Moses is up there. He doesn't send word back with anybody, so the people of Israel are left at the base of the mountain waiting for Moses to come back. In their defense, they don't have any idea. And waiting 40 days, it's sort of reasonable to maybe think that Moses isn't coming back. Maybe he fell down. Maybe he fell off the mountain. Maybe he just simply got a better offer and went and continued down the other side of the mountain and went on his way. 40 days is a long time to wait for somebody. But the story that we get today I think shows us the power of anxiety and of our desire as people to be in control. Under normal circumstances, waiting 40 days for someone with no further word is stressful enough. For the Israelites, they have fled a country where they were enslaved. They are now wandering in the wilderness and have um, had the anxiety of worrying about where food and water come from, but have so far miraculously been provided for, for by God. And maybe that's what makes this a little bit hard for us to understand. The Israelites aren't in normal circumstances in that, that they have had a starring role in God's saving acts um, all throughout the book of Exodus. They've seen the miracles, the plagues, they've been provided for. But in this moment, when they don't know when or if Moses is coming back, they lose it. The first thing to go out the window for them is their faithfulness to God that delivered them out of Egypt. It is really remarkable how quick it is to break those first two commandments that we heard last week. Now in this moment, the people aren't at their best, nor is Aaron as their leader at their best. He gets caught up in their anxieties. He fashions a golden calf for them, and then kind of in hindsight, in an effort maybe to redeem the situation, he says, well, this molten image we will use as a seat for Yahweh, and let's build an altar, and let's this festival that we're going to have where we're going to misbehave quite a bit is going to be in honor of the Lord, the one true God. Since March, we've all been waiting for COVID to go away, a vaccine to be found, some sense of normalcy to be restored. And if we are honest with ourselves, we can probably look back over the past seven months and find times that we did not handle the waiting very well. Times when we maybe took steps to regain control and to make a situation that is much bigger and beyond us fit into a small, neat, tidy box times that we gave in to our anxiety. But what I think we learned from our reading today from Exodus is that what we do in time of waiting matters. 
If we spend our time focused on having control, we end up hurting ourselves and our relationships. But if we find a way to wait that is built on trust in God, we can emerge into the church and into the world that comes after this weird time we're in, healthier and stronger than we were before. Paul, in writing to the church in Philippi, is speaking to a different sort of waiting. There, they are waiting for the resolution of some conflict that's been going on in the church. And Paul writes to them saying, you should rejoice always in the Lord. The Lord is near. Do not worry about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be known to God. Had the Israelites responded to their waiting with joy and prayer and supplication, they would have been prepared to receive the tablets written by the very hand of God that marked their relationship as God's people that Moses was working on bringing back down the mountain. Instead, they forgot who they were and who God was and found comfort and joy in a small man-made thing. And, as could be expected, God is not pleased with what they did in their time of waiting. God even goes so far, and if you've ever made your parents mad, you're probably familiar to this when you suddenly end up being only one of their child, uh, one, of them, one, one parent's child versus the other. God separates himself from the people by telling Moses that his, Moses' people, have done this. Moses, who brought them out of Egypt, they have broken the commandment, and now that they are Moses' people, God is going to destroy them and start again, building a new nation with Moses. Fortunately for the Israelites and for us too, Moses, unlike Aaron, does not succumb to the anxiety of the situation, of waiting and of conflict. Moses, in this moment, becomes a true leader of the people because he is the one who remembers who God is and what God has done and is brave enough to challenge God to remember that too. Moses reminds God of all that has been God has invested in the people of Israel about how the Egyptians will use his destruction of his people to say that God is a fraud. But ultimately, Moses reminds God of the promises that God made to Abraham and to Isaac and to all the forebears of Israel to, to make a great nation of them. And God changes his mind. For some people, the notion of God changing God's mind is anxiety-producing. Um, but in this moment, we see that our prayers and petitions, when offered faithfully and righteously, can change God's mind. That God can remember that God is a God of liberation and salvation. God's surprising change of events, the decision to break the cycle of being disappointed in God's people and destroying them is what ultimately leads to the Apostle Paul being able to write that when we wait in joy and when we wait with prayer and thanksgiving, that the peace of God which surpasses all our understanding will always guard our hearts and minds. Amen.